For Truth with a Texas Twang, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carathy invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff we women store away in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, Luke 2.19. And I want to thank Home Instead for providing all the support and encouragement they have over the last couple of years as we did these Fireside Talk Radio programs. They are so good to us. Home Instead Senior Care provides trustworthy, kind-hearted senior home care services in your loved one's home. Now, today I am so excited. I have a new friend. His name is Mike Sano. He has an amazing uh, resume and biography, and he's going to be talking to us about entrepreneurship, something he knows a lot about. Mike, thank you, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathy. I'm excited to be here. I knew it was going to be really high-powered and fun having you on the show. I noticed in all your bio, which I could go on and on, he has like a master's degree in English and, uh, you know, all this stuff about working for mortgage companies and marketing research, and he taught composition at a college level. He's been a natural writer, speaker, marketer. He has like 18,000 followers on Twitter. But the thing I loved in your bio because I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I want to hear from you, but I love this. This is a quote. One night, my grandmother was reading the newspaper, and I started reading an article about the Cincinnati Reds out loud to her. She thought I was making it up, and this was because you were such a young kid, until she looked down and saw I was reading it word for word. That got everyone's attention, and you were like, what, four years old or something? I think I was closer to five or six, but, you know, it's not quite as impressive as it sounds because these days kids are taught to read so early, uh, you know, three, four, whatever it is. But back then, in the 60s, you were playing with paints and so forth in nursery school and kindergarten. <laughs> and You know, first yeah. grade was C. Dick Run, C. Jane Run, and so, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just... I, I learned to decode the language just by looking at it while my parents were reading to me, and that's ultimately what happened. So they, they found out a weird. <laughs> yeah, the Cincinnati Reds, they have a lot to be thankful for. I bet people don't think of sports teams and education together, but there you go. That's proof. Right. Well, um, okay, so tell me, I, I just know my listeners are going to be fascinated with your trajectory as, as far as how you went from being this English teacher, you know, marketing expert, and now you're the owner of a publishing company, and you're helping other people publish their thoughts and their books, and and you're still writing your own books, which I'm going to save that for the second half, but Mike just is just now publishing an amazing new piece of nonfiction, and so I'm going to introduce that in the second half of the show, Mike, but in the meantime, 
Tell us how you got interested in helping other people get their words and their books out there. Sure. Well, I actually, most of the background that I have as a professional writer came from working for a company where I was doing marketing writing, uh, mostly medical in nature. And so wow. all of that it was, uh, it had a marketing emphasis and it was all about helping them to get new patients or get new people into their clinic or physical therapy, dental, whatever it was. Some of them were assisted living communities all throughout the state of Florida. And so I really got wow. into this group of uh, interviewing people and finding out that other people would be helped by reading their experience. And wow. so, yeah, you know, I mean, it was really something I was doing as a J-O-B, but the most rewarding aspect of it was that periodically I would talk to a patient who would say to me, well, you know, I, I found my new doctor from reading this article of yours in one of the, you know, more recent publications. And, uh, you know, I went to him and I had this problem that I'd been to all these other people and nobody could ever solve my problem. And then I went to this guy after reading your article and now I'm better. And I thought, wow, that's so, you know, they would be thanking me for writing the thing. And I was just doing a job. I wasn't doing it to help people. It was to help me (laughs) pay my mortgage. Yeah. I know, but you know what? I've done some writing like that, and there's nothing more rewarding than hearing patients talk about getting well. I I had an experience once where I I interviewed a guy who had had cancer, and I asked him, now that you have all this access to all this health care through this wonderful clinic we have here called Bethesda Health Clinic, what are you looking forward to getting access to for yourself, for your own health? And, you know, he told me he could not wait to have all his teeth pulled because he had been in chronic pain because of dental, you know, illness for years. And that was what he was looking forward to. And, Mike, I couldn't even write about it. I was so touched by his story. I didn't even know. I didn't even have words to put that on paper. Oh, sure. Well, I'm just so I, I know I know I didn't realize we had that in common, but I'm not surprised. And I love writing medical stories and writing about hero heroic people heroes. And I know you've done quite a bit of that. That's probably one of the things that attracted to me and made me want to invite you to be on the show. I love some of the stuff you've done. Why don't you share with my listeners some of your favorite people that you've gotten to help them with tell their stories? Oh, sure. Yeah, there were two uh, things within the past couple of years since I launched my business where it's me full-time working for myself. Uh, one of them was a uh, business coach who's based out of Missouri, and I learned from him that some people in that state actually pronounce it Missouri. I always heard Missouri. I never heard the other, <laughs> the other version of it. And uh, really nice guy, terrific guy, and he had written a book on his own and published it. And then he's a business coach, and it was okay, but he didn't feel like it was as successful as what he hoped for. So he knew he was going to need help with the next project, so he enlisted me to help him. And I I created a fair amount of text for that book. Some of it was his, some of it was stuff that I wrote for him. And this was really a ghostwriting project. I don't have my name on the cover of that book, but... Uh, the thing that was so great about this was that within the first couple weeks after publication, that book went to number one in one of the subcategories on Amazon. So he wow. was able to put 
number one bestseller on uh, all his stuff going forward. So it was a good feeling. And he's a good guy. I felt like he really, I was pleased to be able to help somebody like him. Um, that is so cool. One, yeah, it was, it was very cool. And the other one is a project that's actually not out yet. It's a uh, project for a client of mine who is a retired NFL pro. And he funded this project, but it's someone else's story. And it's a story of a, a woman who actually created or she was a co-creator of a particular breed of dog. And I think she really just wanted to talk mostly about the dog and how that yeah. breed came to She really feels a lot of ownership about that and wants to make sure it's a healthy breed in the future and that they breed out the health problems instead of having these sort of chronic health problems that bred dogs tend to have, purebred dogs. Uh, but there was a lot of this, uh, her life that had to be in there because she had such an interesting life and there was some real drama in there. So I felt really wow. good about putting that together because it's kind of a combination of her story and the story of how her life ended up pushing her towards the creation of this breed of dog. So it's, it's a cool project. I'm really looking forward to it coming out, but I, I, I don't actually know when that will be. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because it's not coming out through my company. Uh, the, the publishing company I own to date has only, uh, I've only used it to publish my own novels. I've received some submissions from other people, but they've never been anything that I thought that would be appropriate for my type of company. So I've actually closed it to submissions. I, if, I, if I talk to somebody and I think that they would be a good fit, then I, I would consider a submission from them, but I'm not accepting unsolicited submissions as of the, you know, currently. Well, that's interesting. You know, you are doing some really cool stuff, though. I mean, just like getting publicity for the books that you are involved in, you're so good at that. So I want to know, because I know people are dying to ask this question, how do you get 18,000 followers on Twitter? I mean, what kind of headings do you put out there? What What are you saying that people are interested in? Yeah, and I must have sent you an old bio there. I, I didn't update it somewhere because it's up to 22,000 now. I have to keep going and changing it everywhere. Um, That's so great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's really a lot of sweat equity. I, I feel like, you know, Twitter has some very, uh, some real downsides to it. I think people think of it as kind of a broadcast medium for, for people to go out and argue with each other and so forth. But there's also a lot of people trying to be supportive of each other and what they're doing. So I learned early on that it's, it can be used in a way like networking in the sense that the best networkers are people who really focus on being a giver and, and trying to do something good for somebody else, maybe connect them to someone else or help them promote their, their stuff a little bit. So I, I started that early on where I got on there and I was retweeting other people and I would, I would uh -huh. followers, follow them back. And I, I started following a lot of people uh, and, and a fair amount of them would follow me back. And then I would sort of, you know, there were different strategies to, to build it. But as far as what I was putting out there, I realized pretty quickly, you can't just be putting self-promotional stuff. You have to have kind of a, kind of an 80-20 rule on Twitter where it's about maybe 20% self-promotional or less and, and put something out that's of value to people. So it could be entertainment value or it could be, you know, a lot of my followers are fellow writers and I, 
many of them are brand new to writing or they've never published anything yet. So I'll, I'll create articles about getting ISBN numbers and what we have about. Your- I, I hate to interrupt you. We've got about 30 seconds to the break. When we come back, I'm going to be talking about, uh, I'm going to ask you questions about your next, your biggest thing that's just happening right now, your new book. And I can't wait to introduce that to my listening friends. So y'all stay with us because Mike is going to have a lot more ideas and a lot to talk about, especially if you're a reader like I am. So stay with us. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio. So stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door. And the next house over is a grocery store. Hi, this is Kathy. As women, we have a lot to ponder, but even the toughest topics are easier when we open up authentically and share our tenderest wisdom with each other. During this break, I want to mention a special way you can help other women. You can sign up for our blog and share it with your friends. Our podcasts are designed to create tools to talk about the toughest topics at home or at work. You can help by going to Kathy Craffy, C-A-T-H-Y-K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward, dot com. We hope you love sharing these conversational adventures as much as we love bringing in experts to tell their stories and share their wisdom. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here. My parents are getting older and I want to be there to help. But sometimes I spend more time taking care of them than my own family. It's starting to put pressure on my marriage, and I feel like I'm ignoring my kids. My parents need help. I need help. My mom wants to stay at home, but she honestly can't handle it on her own anymore. I've been taking care of her, but I just want to be her daughter again. I know mom feels the same way. I'm not sure where to turn. If you're struggling to care for your parents, you're not alone. Home Instead Senior Care can help. With personalized service and a personal touch, our caregivers will help your parents stay in the place they call home. Home Instead Senior Care. To us, it's personal. to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hey, we're talking to Mike Sano. He is the author of a new book called Wizards. It is about a recovering alcoholic who discovers his six-year-old cousin, David, travels through time as a wizard to bring back uh, to bring comfort to those in need. And Mike soon finds himself along for the ride. And while he gets the opportunity to bring solace to some of the greatest heroes, he must also confront his greatest demons. You know, Mike, that is like a, a classic 
tale of good and evil. But what I love about it is there's the six-year-old time-traveling cousin. I just love that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty entertaining to me. Uh, and it's not based on a real person, obviously. It's, I, I don't have a six-year-old uh, cousin who travels through time. Yeah, but your uh, hero is your hero's name Mike, so that is something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's some of me in there for sure, but it's not pure realism or, or autobiography or anything like that. Well, unless you can time travel, I would be surprised about that. And then there's your six, the six-year-old. I, I got to say, if I was writing about a six-year-old girl, I believe that would be autobiographical. Sure. Well, yeah, this six-year-old's like a little guru. He's a lot smarter and oh. a lot more savvy with dealing with everything than than the, uh, the main character who's uh, 50 years older than him or whatever. <laughs> well, I love it. And I, I really love what you're doing to get the hype up about this book. And so for with so many people going into self-publishing and, ha you know, as a writer, I'm sure you run into this all the time, too. People are always saying to me, oh, I, have, I want to write a book. I've got an idea. I really want to get it written. And I always want to tell them, please write your book. We're, we're living in a time when more positive, good ideas really are so valuable to the culture we live in. So I always encourage people, please write your book. Now, if they get that piece done, which is a huge task, as I've learned myself, how can they go about promoting their, like, I want to get some tips from you so that when my books come out, I'll be ready. Oh, sure. Yeah. In fact, I'm actually uh, guesting on a, uh, a book marketing chat on Twitter coming up shortly. And so it's, that's very fresh in my mind here. Uh, the thing, when I, when I was going to publish my novels, I actually started out publishing a few of them together uh, prior to, to this new one. And that was a few years ago. And I started out with this mindset that was, if you publish it, readers will find you. And I quickly learned the hard way that if only a few people know your work uh, or know about you, you're not going to make a whole lot of sales. So I'm really big on encouraging people to build up a platform well in advance of having, uh, you know, of being at that moment of pulling the trigger to publish a book. You obviously, you've got the great podcast, you've got a platform, you've got listeners, but there are a lot of people out there who they're so into their book project, they don't realize that when they put it out there, unless there are plenty of people who know about it, people aren't buying that thing. You, you, have, to, you have to build the audience well in advance of it and almost woo them, to use an old-fashioned word. You have to woo your audience. <laughs> Yeah, I like that word woo. You know what I like about that is when you're wooing, uh, like when you're, we, you know, that's what they say when you're falling in love and stuff. When a man woos a woman, he really studies what it is she's interested in and what, what she cares about. And I think that's so key with readers. And, and I know that's true for me, too, as a reader. Like, I love both sides of it. I love writing, but I also love other people's writing. I love to read other people's stuff. and But I do appreciate it when the author respects me and understands it's my time I'm giving to their their project. And I, I, 
I'm really engaged, you know, like their book is my book, you know, for a few hours. And I really feel personal about it. Like I'm, I'm letting them draw me into the, I'm reading CJ Box lately. We just kind of discovered his stuff with the Joe Pickett series. And so we're, my husband and I are so excited because we can read one after another. And I'm hoping that I develop that. I mean, I'm just hoping that you develop this long line of books that we'll enjoy reading in the future too. Please don't quit writing. I want you to keep going uh, so that we'll have more reading, more that we can read in the future. But what I like about what you just said is wooing is the right word for that. You have to woo people by understanding what they care about. You know, when people are working on a novel or uh, or even something that's nonfiction, they, they get so entrenched in that and they're so excited about it. It's almost like they have blinders on. They're not seeing the bigger picture, which is you need to be providing something of value beyond just the book to your potential readers because you're competing with all the other entertainment options out there, all the other informational or educational options. And there's so much stuff, and there's so much more every day. So what's the reason that they're going to actually pull the trigger on that? Everybody thinks, well, all my friends will buy it, all my relatives will buy it. Guess what? That's not going to happen. Almost none of them will do it. And the very few who do will do it because, well, I'll do them a favor. But they're not interested in it. The people who are interested are your audience. Who's your audience? People who are interested in that type of project, who like to read that kind of thing. And the more you get into it, the more you find out just how specialized it is. Like I was looking for book reviewers just to get some more extra reviews in advance of this or have some that would come out when the book comes out. And I see there's some people out there, they only want to read fantasy novels. Other people, they'll read everything but fantasy and so on and so forth. So it's really important to find that audience and to engage them on an ongoing basis well in advance of putting the book out. So when you say you offer added value, I I can understand that in this way, but I want to make sure I'm following you. For instance, I read some of uh, Sandra Merville Hart's stuff, and she includes so much history that I felt like after I read one of her books, I understood Gettysburg so much better. So that was added value for me. I loved her story, her plot. It was entertaining. But when I got to the end of it, I also felt smarter and more educated. Is that the kind of added value or exactly what do you mean by that? Well, that's all great. I mean, and you certainly, it's great if you can provide something along those lines for your readers. But what I was actually referring to is value that you provide to them even before they've opened a book of yours, even before they've read anything in any book of yours. So maybe it's a freebie. Maybe you're a, uh, a novelist, but you got a few short stories lying around. You can give away a free short story. And somebody reads that and they go, wow, I really like this short story. Maybe I'll buy this person's novel. Or it could be a series, like you were talking about people writing in a series. A lot of them will give away the first one in the series, hoping that once they read that first one, they're going to be hooked on it and they'll pay for the second one, the third one, and so forth. Um, If you don't have anything like that, if you are maybe just putting out a novel for the first time, or you're putting out your first business book, then you want to engage the person and give them something that they feel is valuable in advance of getting it. Maybe it's an article, maybe it's some video info. It could be all kinds of stuff. And it really depends 
on whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Those are very, very different as far as what you need to try to provide to that audience. I've done a lot of providing marketing-related information to followers of mine because they read it and they'll say, hey, that was a great article. Thanks for that. I wrote it for free. I put it out there. But not how they read it. They like me. They go, hey, this guy knows something I don't know. Maybe I should follow him. We engage a little. Next thing I know, they're retweeting some of my stuff. And that could be even a new book promotion, like my latest book. Wow. Well, I know that's how I feel about you, Mike. I found you because some of the stuff you'd written was so positive, and I'm always looking for those positive messages. And so that's how you and I got connected was through the fact that a lot of what you put out there is so um, just encouraging and and kind. Uh, and I, that is very attractive, I think. I think you, you really do model that well in all of the things that you put out on the on the internet. So thank you for that. Well, okay. Tell me, you're welcome. Tell me what is your favorite thing about this latest book? Like just talk to me as an author and a guy who's finished a project. And to me, the fun part is writing. I think I know that was fun. The two manuscripts I have finished, I'm, I'm talking to publishers right now. And so I'm hoping in another six months or a year, I'll be promoting those two books and and I'm really excited about meeting with people at bookstores. I've never gotten to do that before, but I hope I get to in the future. And I'm trying to imagine how that will look. So tell me what's your favorite part about getting the project, the writing part of it done, and now you're marketing it. What's your favorite piece? Well, there, there are two things real quick. One is that when I was initially putting this together, I, I had written a few of the first themes and I I gave them out to people in a, a writer's group that I had founded. Uh, this is years ago when I first started it. And then I set the project aside for quite a while before I went back and finished the whole thing. But there was an editor in the writer's group, who, uh, a professional editor, who went on to become a, a literary agent. And when she was reading it, she made some notes at the end, and she said, Mike, this is just great. I can't wait to read more. I find the subject fascinating. Your treatment of it is excellent. It's going to be incredible when it's done. So that was very, very encouraging to me. She was a harder editor than anyone else in the writing to do okay. the people in the writer's group. Right now. Yeah. We have, two, we have two minutes, Mike, so you have to sum it up. Yeah. Well, and the other thing was that uh, most of the other projects I've done, really all the other projects, I haven't been 100% satisfied with, which is pretty normal. Uh, put, yeah, of course. And it, Yeah, you just want to be done with it and move on to something else. But when I went through this one, I was really thrilled with how it came out. I'm, I'm happy Aww. with the cover. Editor who I, had, who I hired this time did a great job, and I just submitted myself to this creative process and a lot of it's very intuitive and just comes from the subconscious and I just gave everything I had to it and it's the best thing I've ever done. I've got three other novels oh. out there that are available, but this is the best by far. So I'm just really happy about it. Well, I am too. And you can find Wizards. To, to find Mike on his website, you go to M for Mike. So M Sano, S-A-H-N-O. I'm going to be putting all this into a blog so you can find him at Kathy Crafty, K-R-A-F-V-E.com as well. Mike, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm really excited about your book. I cannot wait to see what you do next. And I love what you've already done. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Kathy. I appreciate it.
Okay, well, don't forget you can find more about Mike Sano, S-A-H-N-O, at msano.com, or you can look for his for the blog I'll write about his stuff on my website, kathycrafty.com. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here. Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh, Got in.